I got lucky. I'm, I'm an accidental food writer. I never intended to be here, never wanted to be here. Here I am. This is Salt to Taste, a podcast about extraordinary food and the people behind it. Brought to you by Pana, the cooking app that gives you step-by-step video recipes from master chefs. In this episode, you'll hear from Michael Rollman, a journalist, home cook, and the author of Thomas Keller's cookbooks. Michael has written beautiful books on a number of topics, pediatric heart surgery, boat makers, and boarding schools, to name a few. But his soul, along with many of his most famous titles, seems to lie in food. And how did that come about? Where's the luck part? Uh, Well, the luck is I was uh, a journalist, and I thought I like to cook, and so I thought I'd go to the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America, to write a book about it. I thought I'd get in, get out with the story, and um, my chef there basically called me a wuss, said I couldn't be a cook. I didn't want to come in for it. I didn't want to make it through the snowstorm. And he said, fine, don't. You know, we have our, you know, we have our work. You have yours. We get there. We're cooks. And he pissed me off. So I drove 25 miles through a blizzard to make a bechamel sauce. I learned how to cook out of anger. You know, I wanted to give parties a giant finger. And I did. So I determined that day that I would learn to cook. I would become a cook. And I'd also get my book done. And then I was broke. I didn't know what to do. I was living in Cleveland. I, had, I couldn't get any other books sold. And so I thought, well, hey, I learned how to cook. I'm going to get a job as a cook. I'll keep writing about this. I'm going to go out to Susie Howard's restaurant called Sticks. It's out in the Sticks of Cleveland in Bainbridge, Ohio. So I go out there. I show her the catalog copy for my book. Um, okay, I'm a broke, unemployed, nothing. I'm neither a cook nor a writer anymore, because I'm not writing anything. I walk in there, and she said, I didn't know you were doing all this. I'm working with Thomas Keller on this cookbook, and we're looking for a writer. Two weeks later, I was flying out to the French Laundry to work with Thomas Keller. That's the luck. But what are the odds? A middle of Ohio, unemployed, unknown writer walks out? Now, that's a gift from God. So then I had the basics that I got from the CIA, and then I saw what the basics could become when you're at Thomas Keller's level. So once I had that, I had entree into any kitchen to work with any cook, uh, and it just took off from there, and I loved it. I just had a knack for it. And what was it like meeting Thomas for the first time? Uh, a little intimidating, but not too intimidating, because I knew what I was doing. Super gracious guy. He's a, he's a gentleman, a gracious guy, quiet. We got along. I was watching him see him out of tuna, taking all the sinew out of a tuna. And at the time, I was from Cleveland. I didn't like fish, especially raw fish. I, but I said, why are you seeing me out that tuna? And he, he pulls off the sinew and it's dangling like saliva off, the, off his knife. He says, eat it. I said, uh, huh. So he said, eat it. I said, I, I, get, I, get, I understand, chef. He said, eat it. And so I ate it. Now I know why. He was seeing me out the tuna. And that's how he taught. <laughs> He's a, he was a great teacher. He's, he, more than anybody, taught me how to see in the kitchen. See meaning? How, meaning how to be aware. How to be aware of what's around you. You know, he made the analogy. It's like some people are driving along the road, and all they see is what's in front of them. There are other drivers who remember that there had been this blue car in the background, and they're not there anymore, so they're in a blind spot, so they know not to... So they're just aware of more stuff. I mean, like Judy Rogers, the great late... Uh, chef out in at the Zuni Cafe, she roasted a thousand legs of lamb. She paid attention to every one. Mm. Why was this one different from that one? Mm. How long was it left out of the refrigerator to temper? 
Um, mm. All the different variations. They they really pay attention and are always thinking about it. So they've got this huge. They've just got this huge Rolodex of experience in their mind. They've paid attention, and they put that attention to use on a daily basis. So he taught me to be aware, aware of waste, aware of speed, aware of um, organization, efficiency, Climate, teamwork, cleanliness, cleanliness huge. Yeah. Cleanliness huge. is huge. huge, huge. All the best chef I know are, are maniacs about being clean. Jean-Georges, Eric Repair, Thomas, maniacs about being clean. So you write the French Laundry Cookbook. Correct. Beast. Yeah, it was a, that was a fun one. We made a we made a conscious decision not to dumb it down, not to make it home cook friendly, but to have an actual document of what this restaurant, then the most favorite famous restaurant in the world, Ruth Reichel had just called it the most exciting place to eat in America, what they actually did, not four star cooking for the home. It was an actual documentary of what happened in that restaurant, how those recipes actually worked. You do the Keller cookbook, and that leads to. I mean, you've worked with Keller, Repair, John George, did Grant Ackett's book. That's correct, Grant Ackett's. I met him when he was a fish cook at the French Laundry. He's this little baby-faced fish cook. Who knew what, we, what he was going to become? What are those, what are the, what are the, what do you see as the, the similarities? And then what are the differences between all these big guys? One thing I just see, and it's not only in them, but so many of, of the great chefs, they have so much energy. They work their asses off. Huh. They are used to working 18 hours a day. I just remember Thomas Keller worked, he, he worked like six services Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, six services of the French Laundry. Came home at 1 o'clock. We were having a glass of wine. I lived with him um, while I was writing the book. You lived in the house. Yeah. I lived in the house. It was also a great opportunity. I was right there. We could have these conversations after a day. He's having a glass of wine, and he just wanted to talk about more cooking, how to really cook. You know the kind of restaurant I like? Eight guys come in, and we cook whatever we want, whatever's freshest. We all have the same standard. This is how we really cook. That's what I want to do. This is after cooking for all friggin' weekend. He's still talking about cooking, how to really cook. I, you know, you respect the passion. Oh, yeah. You have to respect the passion. Of course. It's just incredible. The passion, the care. They all kind of have, you think, that kind of, it's the work ethic, the passion, Mm -hmm. the care. What puts them over the top? It's not just, they're able to translate their passion to scores of people. They inspire respect among all their staff. He taught me how important the dishwasher was. Dishwasher, he says, most important guy in the kitchen. If this guy fails at his job, the bartenders fail, the cooks fail, and the servers fail. So that dishwasher is important. And he learned that by washing dishes for two years at his mom's restaurant in West Palm Beach. So differences between, say, like a guy like Grant and Thomas. Well, Grant has um, a real imagination. He's always thinking about new ways to do things. He's the first guy to do floating food. Dessert comes to you as a as a a, a, a apple taffy stretched into a balloon filled with helium and it's delivered to you at the table it's delivered it's it's nuts he did floating food he wanted to do floating food they'd figured out how to do it (laughs) it's like that's awesome so it's a relentless um imagination a relentless quest for the new thomas is sort of a, a a deepening um you know in the way that carpenter's joints can always be tighter um, he, ah. he goes deep. He goes deep into technique. So you've done books on, like, 
that are not cooking. Pediatric heart surgery, I spent yeah, a year. What's up with that? Well, w- one of the things that fascinated me about chefs and the world of the chef has how this hard work changes you as a person. You ha- you are different. You you take challenges differently. You don't say no. You work hard. It changes your insides. I want to know who you became when you operated on babies' hearts for a living. I mean, when you know when Thomas has a bad day, he doesn't kill anybody. When a heart surgeon has a ba- bad day, somebody dies. So I spent a year in a pediatric heart pediatric heart unit at the Cleveland Clinic. Um, I spent a year at a wooden boat yard. Um, yeah, I know you wrote a book about wooden boats. boats. I uh, published my first fiction in 2015, a collection of novellas, nothing to do with food and cooking. And I like doing that because it keeps the food stuff fresh. It's hard just to write about food. I need to do other stuff as well. So you're home on a Friday night. It's you and your wife. My new wife. Your new wife. Yeah. And uh, you're going to cook. What's mm-hmm. the things you like? What are the things you gravitate towards? Well, it, you know, it depends on the season. If it's winter, I'd love to braise things. I love a braised short rib on buttery egg noodles. There's just nothing better to me than that. All right. Um, summertime, I want to get the grill going and grill steaks and have corn and... Uh, simple, though. Simple and fresh go- tomatoes. That's it. But simple. Always right. simple. yeah. Um, so that's what I like to cook. I like to transform food. You know, it's fun. Like, I love to cure a bacon and then eat that bacon because bacon is one of the great things on the planet. It's it's the reason to live. What's going to get you out of bed next? Uh, fear of poverty. That's a motivator. <laughs> I've got four projects. I got, I've got a lot. I've got this own big cookbook of mine called Water and Fire, sort of elemental ruleman. Um, working on the Thomas Keller book, working, finishing up the Jean-Georges book, working on the Pate Confit and Riette book. So I've got four books going on, and I want to get back to writing fiction, so I'll be working on that too. So you did a book on eggs. Oh, yeah, that was a fun book. I mean, like, if you had to pull one egg move, what's your egg move? What is it? I like to teach people what scrambled eggs can really be. It's scrambled? Scrambled eggs. It's the most overcooked uh dish in america except maybe the chicken breast you need really gentle heat you want it so they're like three quarters of the curds are formed but the rest is of the eggs are are still warm but fluid and they act like a sauce for those curds so when you have really good eggs a little bit of tarragon on top and a glass of champagne you say this is as good as food gets Huh. You know, it's the simple stuff that's so good. Food is not doesn't not need to be complicated. We didn't do anything very complicated. Even Thomas Keller stuff is not complicated. There's just a million little steps involved. Information about cooking was transferred was one to one from grandmother to granddaughter mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. But what, what did you do? You stood next to them and mm-hmm. watched them. Right. Right. Um, the cookbook was a fascinating medium that really made it mass media to be able to cook, which is a phenomenal thing. But to me, I was looking to say, how do we take, how do we use technology to make it intimate again? Well, we certainly need to, because we lost a generation of cooks. We stopped cooking in the 60s and 70s. Then we have a whole generation of kids who grew up not really knowing how to cook yeah. and don't know how to go. I mean, people, I heard people call for home ec to come back again, so we know the basics of cooking. So we're reliant on technology and books to figure out how to do the work. And I think we're cooking more. because uh, of- I think, and the television shows like Top Chef and the chefs are now way more celebrated than they've ever been. I think food is, food is top of mind. And millennials, I mean, these kids know food. 
They know they do. restaurants. Know. Yeah, it's amazing. They, I think they know more than interested. I do. Yeah, yeah, they're interested. They're interested in the topic, and they're interested in in cooking. It's a it's a it's a phenomenal time to be alive and and to be in this game for sure. I think if there were one skill a home cook should know, like what's the what's the what's the fundamental thing you got to know how to do? Use a knife. Salt. Salt. How to salt your food properly. When to salt it, how much, how to do it. The number one skill in the kitchen. Uh, I asked, and that's, that's just Thomas talking again. I said, it's this, he said, salt, you know, it's the first thing we teach cooks who come into our kitchen, how salt. to use salt. Did that whet your appetite? Head over to panacooking.com or download our app. Up next on Salt to Taste... Our first year, that was kind of a, well, it wasn't a failure, but it was kind of disappointing because we, we had no idea how many pies we would bake. We were baking with one oven and a tiny little kitchen that we built. And, and basically no staff. Yeah, like a handful of people helping, like friends, basically. Rough. Yeah, it was rough. This episode was produced and mixed by Misha Youssef with help from Stephanie Rausch. 